Once my paperwork was done, I began writing to Sir Robin, asking him if he wanted anything from India, what sort of clothing to carry, his exact location, what was I to do once I got there, and so on. There were so many questions, and with no one to answer them at home, I kept shooting out mails as and when something popped up in my head. After a while, I started feeling a bit sheepish, and started one of my mails with, "Here is another silly question." His reply was prompt and something I'll remember all my life. There is nothing like a silly question. A question is a question, and I would rather have you ask as many of them as you want, rather than come here and be lost at sea. I have followed his advice ever since, and in a project where we are trying to learn everything from scratch, it was valuable advice indeed. When he asked me to get an audio CD of the 1960s Bollywood epic. Mughal-e Azam for him I was mighty amused a few days later when I got to know him better I realized the reason I landed in London and was received by the assistant to the Indian naval adviser who promptly transported me to Waterloo station and dispatched me to Portsmouth by the next available train once in Portsmouth I called up sir robin who asked me to come over to gosport a short ferry ride away I was to call him once i reached gosport and we were to go to an indian restaurant for dinner with some friends i reached gosport all right only to discover that i had left sir robin's telephone number at my hotel in portsmouth i tried looking for him for a while which wasn't easy as we had never met before i gave up after a while and headed back to portsmouth feeling like a real idiot what a wonderful way to start an apprenticeship The next morning, I reached Gosport and called up Sir Robin. He appeared within minutes and took me to the boatyard right next to the ferry point. I had never met a knight before and naturally addressed him as Sir. He sorted that out within the first two minutes by telling me to drop the Sir and address him as Robin. He had an overall ready for me and told me that his ulterior motive in allowing me to come and work with him was to brush up his Hindustani. which he had picked up while working with the British India Steam Navigation Company in the 1960s thus began my most valuable apprenticeship the first task was to sand the boat's boom and get it ready for painting something that i had never done in my life robin's boat grey par a carbon fiber open 60 had been entirely stripped down and was being reassembled to get her ready for the race The pace of work over the next three weeks was hectic. I would reach the boatyard by ferry around zero eight three zero every day, and start doing whatever work came my way. Robin would always be around to answer any questions, allocate work, and help out while working the hardest among us all. His enthusiasm and stamina were amazing and extremely infectious. We would work through the day, often skipping lunch till about nineteen hundred hours daily. and then muster up at a bar outside the boatyard to unwind and go over the day's work by the time i reached my hotel at portsmouth after a ferry ride and a 15 minute brisk walk i would be in the danger of falling asleep under the shower we were quite an interesting bunch mostly volunteers of varied backgrounds and ages charlotte or charlie for short the youngest member of the team had just finished college and was spending her summer holiday working on the boat 
Timothy Etheridge, Tim, an American in his 50s, had applied to sail around the world in the Clipper Round the World race later that year. Most of us didn't have much technical knowledge, but we were willing workers, enjoying the experience and determined to do our best. That seemed fine with Robin, who would always be at hand to guide us, never getting upset if he committed any mistakes, as we often did. There are also technicians, painters and specialists who would come and do the work while we assisted them and kept learning. I slowly graduated from sanding the boom to helping fit out equipment on the boat. Every day was a new learning experience. I was seeing a large yacht being fitted out for a round the world ocean race for the first time. Having been an executive officer in the Navy all my working life, I was not too conversant at working with tools. In the Navy, there is always some technical manpower available. As I worked, I became increasingly confident about using various tools and working with my hands, something that would hold me in good stead later. I managed to get a day off in the three weeks in the UK and used half a day to catch up on my sleep and the rest of it to visit the old Portsmouth dockyard where Nelson's flagship victory is birthed as part of a museum. Meanwhile, Grey Power was renamed Saga Insurance after Robin's main sponsors at the Portsmouth waterfront. After a few more days of work, we set out amid fanfare for Bilbao, Spain, to be on the start line for the race. As we started setting the mainsail, everything seemed to be going wrong. The mast seemed to be snaking up instead of standing upright and the swing keel wouldn't swing. I was assigned the simplest job that of holding the boat on course while Robin and others tried to sort out the problem. There was no alternative but to turn back. The mast and rigging needed to be tuned but the problem with the keel still foxed everyone. As Robin came to the tiller and sat down, mulling over the problem, visibly upset, I asked him if he had turned the swing keel switch to the on position. What switch? He asked. I asked him to hold the tiller, ran down and put on the switch. The swing keel started working. He had been busy while we were working on the swing keel and was not aware of the switch. One more important lesson learned. Know your boat like the back of your hand. We finally set sail for Bilbao with a crew of six. Robin, Tim, Charlie missing her freshers week for the sail, Richard, a friend of Robin and a barrister by profession, Johan, a South African sailor who had recently earned his RYA Yacht Master's ticket, and me. At sunset and after crossing the Solent, Robin divided us into two watches for the rest of the trip. He was to lead one and I the other. I had never sailed a large yacht before and told him so. Cool as a cucumber, he said. You have a naval watchkeeping ticket, haven't you? Yes, I replied. Well, that's more than enough. Wake me up if you feel there is a problem. With that, he got inside the boat and went off to sleep. He did ensure that I had Johan and Richard with me on my watch, both of whom had been crewing large yachts. The boat was still far from ready. Only the basic instrumentation like the compass was working as we hadn't had time to wire up the rest. She had to be hand steered as the autopilot was yet to be wired. An open 60 is quite a beast to sail, designed for speed and to withstand the extreme punishment of the southern ocean. There is very little thought given to crew comfort. 
even a basic fitting like a toilet is missing as that would add more weight and one more opening to the hull bucket and chuck it is the only solution to relieve yourself as we crossed the shipping lanes around the uk and france and entered the bay of biscay often called the bitch of biscay or beast of biscay i realized the reason for the expletives strong headwinds whipping up big seas and a boat sailing upwind at over 15 knots heeling at an impossible angle slamming on every wave while making noises as if she was possessed and wanted to break herself while on watch we would get splashed every few seconds by the sea spray and the resultant cold would permeate right down to the marrow of my tropical bones one night as i was lying in my bunk having woken up to go and relieve the watch on deck my body just refused to obey me how the hell did i get myself in this situation this is not even close to the southern ocean which i'm expected to cross alone i just kept lying there for a couple of minutes frozen in more than one way misery is being on an open 60 in the middle of a bay of biscay gale nice definition what do i seriously want to go through with all this endless madness trying to go around the world alone i thought to myself but then the incorrigible alter ego piped up well would you rather be pushing files at nhq for the rest of your life i was at the tiller fully dressed and tethered to the boat to do my watch in the next 5 minutes good god what a horrible alternative that was sometimes inspiration comes in strange ways we reached bilbao after 4 days and were warmly received by the late jose ugarte the legendary spanish solo circumnavigator among others with only 3 weeks to start the race the work on the boat continued at the same blistering pace as before meet at the hotel's restaurant at 0700 hours all groggy eyed and achy for a big breakfast and be on the boat by 0830 hours after negotiating the traffic in an alien city with signage in an alien language work till about 1900 hours go over the day's work at a bar on the marina and get back to our hotel by 2130 hours again negotiating the unfamiliar bilbao roads our tiredness and inability to read spanish sometimes led to really funny situations once hopelessly lost and finding our way back we crossed the toll booth for a tunnel en route twice in a span of 30 minutes from the same side my last name donde which means where in spanish was a source of amusement to the spaniards once robin joked hello prospective circumnavigator you are with a name that means where i told him that it actually stands for where next then next having been abbreviated and that i shall sail round the world well said said robin with a big grin there were exciting times apart from work there were plenty of discussions with robin about india history and a host of subjects he was still trying to brush up his hindustani which was a source of much amusement to everyone once leaving for the hotel at about 2100 hours with a car full of dog tired occupants robin was adamant on stopping for a haircut on the way as he was worried about not being able to get any free time later 
there was almost a mutiny in the car at his suggestion i muttered quietly to robin in hindi robin robin saab seedhe ghar chalo varna jute padenge haircut baad mein lena loosely translated let us head home straight else we will get thrashed have a haircut later robin just said acha and headed straight back to the hotel with everyone wondering what exactly transpired between the two of us for robin to abandon his plan i remained in touch with people back home including admiral outy captain contractor and the folks at nhq who would keep airing their apprehensions which having no knowledge on the subject i would often pass on to robin one day he couldn't take it anymore and told me indians are among the most capable people i've seen but then why are you guys so underconfident of yourself his question shook me and i often mull over it especially after the successful completion of the project when people still cast aspersions about the ability of an indian to undertake similar ventures his advice for the project was really simple and to the point in the order of priority and difficulty get the funding get a good boat and then it's just sailing he couldn't understand why we were making such a big fuss over the whole thing considering that the first time he ever sailed solo was when he started his non-stop solo circumnavigation way back in 1968 just go and sail you'll do it he told me encouraging words when everyone at home doubted the whole idea on the morning of 22nd october 2006 as we were heading for the start of the velux five oceans race he was of course asking if you owed me any money for the sundry items bought for the boat embarking on a solo circumnavigation one likes to ensure that there are no ious for obvious reasons my first response was no nothing all accounts have been settled as he turned his attention to something else i blurted out robin come to think of it you do owe me something surprised he turned back and asked what i replied you owe me my project he just smiled and told me absolutely just let me get back i saw robin off at the start of the velux five oceans race and headed back home my head was full of the new things i had seen and worked on my so called training was over it was time to get things moving by the time i got back admiral arun prakash a few days short of retirement had managed to get approval in principle from the defense minister for spending rupees 6 crores about 1.25 million dollars for project sagar parikrama i called on him in his office and he introduced me to the next chief of the naval staff admiral surish mehta who assured all support for the project i got back to port blair basically to pack my bags and shift base it would have been next to impossible to run a project like this from port blair so i was being transferred to mumbai to work on it full time I called on the commander in chief a vice admiral before leaving as I had been on his staff when I explained to him the reason for my transfer and what I was planning to do the conversation became rather interesting we can't do it it is impossible said the admiral with an air of finality but others have done it in the past so why can't we i replied totally taken aback with such a response oh they were born sailors they have sea water in their veins explained the admiral sir 
I think everyone is born the same way and everyone has to learn. I think it is just a matter of working towards it. As we are attempting this for the first time in the country, we'll need to work harder than others, but it cannot be impossible. At worst, we'll fail, but at least we would have the satisfaction of giving it our best shot, I replied, trying to keep the growing anger in my head out of my voice. I was making every effort to keep a straight face and a civil voice while thinking, you son of a gun, so far I was just thinking of sailing solo around the world. Now I shall sail solo around the world. Just wait and watch. Then you go and do what you want. What have you come here for? Said the Admiral, dismissing me rather rudely. I just came to bid farewell as I have been transferred out and won't be meeting you again. Thanks for everything, sir. I walked out of the office with steam coming out of my ears, barely suppressing the impulse to slam the door on my way out. If this was the sort of encouragement I was going to get, there was only one way to go. I had to complete the trip successfully. No shortcuts, no excuses.